youth pastor from Grand Island Eve Free. Uh, Daniel Longmore is with us, so if you would greet Pastor Longmore. morning. It is a pleasure to be with you, get the opportunity to come do this. Again, my name is Pastor Daniel Longmore. I'm from Grand Island E-Free. And uh, I heard that a few weeks ago our worship pastor was here, and he told me they don't like jokes. They're tired this time of the morning. Whatever you do, don't call any of your students to come up front, and I will tr I'll try, but my students could attest I really like making fun of them. I really like having a good time at their expense. Turn to Mark chapter 10. It stinks, though, because, like, when my students are tired, my number one, like, way of Dealing with that is by making fun of them. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> Mark 10, 46 was the, the passage I was given. Mark 10, 46 through 11, 11. And something about me, when the Bible gives me something that's hard to handle, something that's painful, something that's really convicting, I tend to lean into it and embrace the pain. Um, I have a hard time avoiding it. I know I'm terrible. I know I'm really sinful. I know you are too. So when the Bible brings up something that convicts me, we're going to sit in it. This passage it deals a lot with kind of the classic um, better to be good on the inside than on the outside just to forewarn you. Mark 10, 46. I'm going to read this. I'm going to split it into two parts. So right now, let's just read the first section. Mark 10, 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and with a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth coming, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call to him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Pretty common story, right? Blind man Bartimaeus sees Jesus on, or hears Jesus is on the road, calls to him, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heals him and makes him well. I want us to see this story though as a continuation of what else has gone on in chapter 10 so let's recap i'm sure you guys have gone through most of these stories mark 10 the first story the pharisees come up thinking they know something they go up ask jesus questions trying to trick him about divorce and remarriage and uh jesus does this to him 
and they leave dazed and confused. Later on, children come up to him, and his disciples think they know what Jesus wants, push the children away. And Jesus does this, ow, and, and says, let the kids come to me. And the disciples then are left dazed and confused. Then we got the rich young man comes up thinking he's hot stuff, thinking he knows what Jesus is going to want, thinks I can impress him, and Jesus does that and leaves him, says he, he leaves with sorrow and uh, is dazed and confused. After that, two disciples, James and John, are like, this is the perfect time to go and try and impress Jesus and tell him, we want to be at your right hand and your left hand when you come into your kingdom. Suffice it to say, they are left very dazed, very confused before we get to Bartimaeus. So now, in chapter 10, we got stories of people wanting to impress Jesus or wanting to be in Jesus' good graces, and the children are in his good graces. The other ones, well, no. Bartimaeus then gets this. He gets the encouragement. He gets the response from Jesus that he was looking for. Now, I want to pair this with the rich young man. I think they're two sides of the same coin. I think Mark, when he wrote these two stories, he wanted us to look at them next to each other. Let's compare. Blind, blind Bartimaeus versus the rich young man. Rich young man runs up to Jesus. Bartimaeus isn't worthy of that. He stands at a, at a distance and shouts. The rich young man tried to convince Jesus he was righteous. Bartimaeus begged for mercy. Rich young man gave Jesus an earthly title, an honorable earthly title, good teacher. Bartimaeus invokes the name of the Messiah. Son of David, have mercy on me. I think when we, when we see those two titles, the picture I get is the rich young man is wanting Jesus to know him, wants to have Jesus like, recognize him, be with him, um, get in Jesus' good graces, but nothing more. Bartimaeus, his title that he uses, says, I need you. Rich young man doesn't give up anything for Jesus. Bartimaeus gives up everything for Jesus. Even the one thing probably would have been okay to like take with him. It says he flung off his cloak, ran, sprang up and ran to Jesus. Like, All right, you could probably keep your clothes, but you know, he's. Again, he, he said, I'm going to give up everything. The rich young man wouldn't give up anything. And uh, by the end, it's pretty fascinating. The rich young man thinks he's good, thinks he's all that, wants to be seen as important to Jesus. His name ain't even important enough to write down. Versus Bartimaeus 
who's begging for mercy, knows he's nothing, knows he has nothing. His name is written down forever. And last but not least, the way the stories end, rich young man came into the story with everything, leaves with sorrow and nothing. Bartimaeus came into the story with sorrow and nothing. And he leaves with everything. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed Jesus on the way. Stark differences. Fascinating to see the two sides. Now, for the painful part, um, pretty common for us to say, well, which character in the story would I be? Not that you always have to do that, but it's pretty common for us to try. I don't think of myself as either the rich young man or Bartimaeus. Like, I'm not faithful enough to be Bartimaeus, but I'm also, I haven't left <laughs> like the rich young man did. I'm dumb enough to keep coming back. <laughs> so I, I, I recognize the disciples. I identify it like with the disciples here, which isn't any better. Let's look at these stories. The rich young man, he comes up, and the disciples, when he leaves, the disciples, it says, they were astonished and said, who can be saved then? That's, that's 1026. Who can be saved then? If this guy couldn't, who am I? So you look at those stories, the children, the, the disciples keep them away, the opposite of what Jesus wanted. Then the rich young man comes up, and, and you almost imagine the disciples sitting back saying, that guy will be good. That guy coming up, he's, he's, he's got it. He could be a big asset for our team. He could do this. I've got plans already for him. Oh, why is he leaving? Jesus says, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And they said, if that guy couldn't cut it, what am I going to do? Like he said that he's good at following the commandments. I'm not. Then James and John decide this is, again, the perfect time to try and impress Jesus. And they can't. So now they're left just really confused. What, what is it going to take? What is it going to take to like impress Jesus, be able to walk with Jesus well, do what he asks? And then they're like, hmm, Jesus, I just want to impress him. Hmm, what do I got to do? And they're all sitting in this really confused bubble. Hmm, what do we got to do? And then they hear this blind guy over here shouting, saying, son of David, have mercy on me. Hmm, hmm, just trying to impress Jesus and keep shouting. And eventually they're like, shut up. Can't you see we're trying to impress Jesus? All right, where were we? And, and, and they just have no clue. And Jesus <laughs> turns to them when they say, be silent over there. Stop it. Jesus turns to him and says, go get him. That would be me as the disciples, probably most of us. Why? Because we tend to focus on the outward rather than the inward. Think about it like this. Let's play a game, shall we? Um, imagine your perfect world and you in it. What does your perfect world look like? What do you look like in your perfect world? Where there's no faults. All of your worst blemishes, the things you hate about yourself, gone. None of it. Just perfection. You in your most idyllic form. What is it like? And what is the world around you like? 
What do you look like, act like, sound like, think like? What do you do for a living? What does your world look like? How much stuff do you have? Who, what kind of people are around you? You imagine your most idyllic sense. Guys, a lot of us, tall, dark, and handsome, funny, strong, athletic, smart, good job, got a house, got a family, got a lot of stuff. That's the idyllic world. If I could go back and help God plan out what I'm going to be like and what my world is going to be like, that's probably where I start. Girls, I won't even pretend to know what girls want. I've always been bad at that. But you get the picture. I'm like the, like me in high school, I'm the rich young man. Like I go in thinking I'm all that, and then after hanging out with girls, I'm left sorrowful. Very confused. Back to the question, though. Our idyllic world, what would it be like? How many of you, in your idyllic sense, your idyllic state, perfect state, you wouldn't change anything about yourself? How many of you, in that state, humble would be the top of your list? Meek at the top of your list. Poor in spirit. At the top of your list. Ashamed of my sin. Top of my list. How many of you? How many of us? Let me ask this. If you could only be humble by being blind in your eyes, how many of us would pick being blind? Just for the sake of being humble. Not me. Probably not you. And therein lies, therein lies the problem. Bartimaeus, poor in spirit, ashamed, humble. And it says, his faith has made him well. Telling me that my faith should look like Bartimaeus. And yet, when I imagine how to make my life better, that entails looking more like the rich young man. That hurts. Sorry. Bartimaeus, though, then gets to be more than just a teaching point. He gets to be a catalyst for a, a newfound movement. Chapter 11, verse 1 through 11. Let's read on. Now, when they drew to, near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said, Go into the village in front of you. Immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, it will, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt untied. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? They told them that Jesus, what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. Those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the king coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! And he entered Jerusalem, went into the temple, but he saw... After he had saw everything, it was late. He went back to Bethany with his 12. This is the second time where it refers to Jesus 
as the one who is coming with the kingdom of David. In the, in the same story in Matthew, it says, Blessed is he, the son of David. So the second time that it's mentioned in the book of Mark, the coming of the kingdom of David, the son of David, the one who comes with the title of David. Second time. First time, Bartimaeus. This is also the same crowd that was with Bartimaeus because it says they came to Jericho and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. This isn't, if you've ever wondered, man, how could the same people that at the beginning of the week said, Hosanna in the highest, how could those same people at the end of the week be yelling, crucify him? Answer, this isn't the same group. This is a group that have been following him around. But he's not in Jerusalem yet. The people in Jerusalem are the ones that shouted. So these people saw Bartimaeus called Jesus, son of David. Jesus didn't rebuke them. If you think most of the stories when people call him like Messiah or something like that, he says, don't say that. My time is not yet. Here he doesn't. This is the first time where he openly welcomes it, encourages it, and rewards the person who says it. This is like the kingly procession, the, the, the entrance into his kingdom. Um, he does it in the Zechariah 9 prophecy, Behold, daughters of Jerusalem, your, your king is coming full of grace and mercy, and salvation is upon him, and he will come riding on a donkey. Um, he's fulfilling that, but this is the kingly entrance. You think when a king would come into the city, they would roll out the red carpet, they would have the singers, they would have the cymbals and all the music, and they would, they would pronounce his coming in the most kingly fashion. Well, here, that's this. Except instead of a red carpet, he's got palm branches, and instead of music, he's got people shouting, Hosanna, the coming of the son of David. And who started it? A blind beggar sitting by the roadside. Now that title, Son of David, if you go and look through the prophetic books, mainly like Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Zechariah, it will be all over this prophecy of the one who will come with the coming of the kingdom of David. Like um, Isaiah 9-7, you all know it. For unto us a child is born, unto us a child is given. The, the world will be on his shoulders, mighty God, Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor. And then it says, and he will inherit the kingdom of David. Jeremiah 23, 5 says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous offspring of David. I, Ezekiel 34, 23, I will set over them one shepherd for all time, my servant David, who will feed them as their shepherd. Zechariah 12, 8. Uh, I, in that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, destroy all the nations that come up against her. In that day, I, the Lord, will set about to destroy all the nations who come up against Jerusalem. I will pour out on the house of David and Jerusalem the spirit of grace and help. So, house of David. Um, oh, excuse me. I'm, I can't read very good, as you can see. Zechariah 12, 8 says, In that day the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The one who is humble among them, Jesus, will be like David, and the house of David will be like God, or like the angel of the Lord before them. 
in that day, I, the Lord, will set about to destroy the nations that come against Jerusalem. So this idea of the coming one in the name of David, the son of David. So it's not, I mean, at this point, this is 800, 900 years after Jesus, uh, or after David. There's a lot of people who are related to David, a lot of people that come from the line of David. When, when Bartimaeus says, the son of David... He's talking about this, the messianic figure that will come and will be a son of David and will sit on the throne of David for all time. That's what he's looking for. And they're crying, Hosanna. That's a real churchy word we hear at Palm Sunday. What does Hosanna mean? I never knew until a couple years ago. Hosanna means save us now. Lord, save us with an immediate sense now. Save us now. It was a cry of the Israelite people when they were in utter desperation, when they were at their very lowest and they were in desperate need of God to save them in that moment. Hosanna. Hosanna. Lord, save us. Lord, save us now. Son of David, save us. Son of David, we need you. Save us. And yes, to many of you, you know, the Jews were looking for the Messiah to free them from Rome. They wanted to be like an independent people once again, free to do what they wanted. They didn't like Rome. And so, yes, when they said Hosanna, they were thinking, Lord, save us from Rome. Free us from this bondage. Build back up your kingdom. Hosanna. Save us. Imagine the grin on Jesus' face when all these people are crying Hosanna. Son of David, Hosanna. Invoking that messianic title. And it was at the beginning of his journey to the cross where he was about a Hosanna all over them. That's pretty cool, the timing of that, that these people are crying out, Lord, save us, right before he does, but not in the way that they thought. Not in the way they thought. They should have known. Here's why that, that, that Zechariah 12 passage that I butchered royally Later on in that passage, it says, then in that day when this son of David comes, they will look on me, God, the one whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one only mourns for a firstborn. Friends, that was like 450 years before Jesus. And then Jesus, as they're crying Hosanna, goes and saves them while being pierced. And they mourned for him as one only mourns for a firstborn. And in heaven, the father was mourning over his firstborn. Wow. Hosanna indeed. Yikes. That's pretty cool. If you were asleep for that, that stinks. That was good stuff. Why is this important though? This is the story of his royal entrance into his kingdom. He is now taking on the title of the son of David. And the one who got it going was this blind beggar. 
who had nothing and received everything. I have plenty of students littered through this room. I have a son that goes here. I like this place. However, like all places, you and I both have problems. I have heard stories. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a greater chance for someone at Grand Island Senior High to be, you know, laid next to the side of the road, passed out, drunk, and all of that, than a person, than a student from Nebraska Christian. There's a greater chance. But there's certain things that people in a Christian sphere wrestle with more than other people. For instance, private sins. There's an element of, as long as no one knows what I'm dealing with, I'm good. As long as I can keep my mask on and look perfect, I'm good. As long as no one knows the struggle within that's breaking me, pulling me apart at the seams. As long as I can go to school tomorrow, put my mask on, look good, that's all I need. Yet that mask only covers sin. It doesn't stop the sin from eating us alive on the inside. I think we get caught up in trying to be the rich young man rather than being Bartimaeus. And it doesn't work. You are left with sorrow, confusion, loneliness. As opposed to Bartimaeus, who is willing to cast off even his cloak and immediately begins to follow Jesus, gets to be close to Jesus, casts off all regard for what he looks like, all regard for what people think of him. There's only one who was important to him. I think a stark difference between the rich young man and Bartimaeus. The rich young man wanted Jesus. Bartimaeus needed Jesus. In your life, do you want Jesus or do you need him? If he's passing by the side of the road, do you shout saying, I can't wait a moment longer? In the Christian sphere, it's really easy to have it all put together. Good family, good background, good school, good friends. But we all wrestle with sin just as much as anyone else. If you spend all of your time trying to look like the rich young man, trying to look good, trying to avoid your sin, trying to ignore your faults, trying to get rid of not the sin, but the attention to the sin. If you spend all that time focused on that, guess what? You're also spending that time looking like you don't need Jesus. Because if I don't have sin, I don't need him. And if I look like I'm perfect, if I try to look like I'm perfect, I'm also making it seem like I don't need him to other people. 
Friends, would we be people in this room um, like Bartimaeus that cry out, don't care what you look like, don't care about your reputation, don't care if it's going to hurt in the moment. Just as long as you run after Jesus in shame, you cry out, have mercy on me. And as he did with Bartimaeus, Jesus will do the same for us and show that mercy. Don't avoid the sin. Present it before him. Let people in this room see it so that we could be closer to him and that we could immediately be recovered and follow him on the way. Let me pray. Lord, how easy it is for us to get caught up in our reputation, how easy it is for us to get caught up in what we know we should look like, act like, think like, how easy it is to not deal head-on with what's bothering us, not to deal head-on with what is eating us alive. Lord, you are good. You saw the things that were tormenting the rich young man. You called him out on it and tried to relieve him of it, but he fought back and would not. Would that not be true of us? But instead, when we see you and when we come in contact with you, would we cry out? Cry out, Son of David, Hosanna, save us. Have mercy on us, your poor, broken people. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are dependable. You're trustworthy. Thank you for it all, Lord. For us in this room, would we go by our way, loving you, looking to you, casting off what's ailing us. We cry out to you, and we know you will do great things. You will help us, and you are all that we need. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.